Hi, you're listening to the Queensland Theatre Quality Time podcast. Let me set the scene. We can all sympathise with the exhaustion of an actor who takes to the stage for eight shows a week. But let's really take a moment to empathise with their costumes. I mean, would your favourite shirt hold up after being worn for rigorous exercise, getting splashed with blood, ripped off and washed every day for a month? Today, our artistic director, Lee Lewis, is joined by our costume supervisor, Natalie Reiner, to discuss the magic of maintenance. How can a wardrobe be preserved to ensure that the quality of a production is as polished at the start of its season as it is at the end of its run? One last thing to note. This episode was recorded in 2020, during the peak of our shutdown. So when Lee and Nat are referencing next year's season, they're actually talking about 2021. Enjoy! Hello everyone, I'm Lee Lewis, the Artistic Director here at Queensland Theatre and welcome back to another Quality Time podcast. This time I have the fabulous Nat, who's Hello. here with me. Nat is Head of Costume. Have I invented a title? I do Costume this. Supervisor. Costume Supervisor. <laughs> okay, All Things Costume is actually Pretty your much. functional title. All Things Costume. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which really does mean All Things Costume. I mean, we say that, but the reach of what it is to actually dress people in the huge range of shows that happen in this company mm. must have been an extraordinary journey for you. I mean, oh, I, I've seen some of the, the things I've seen here at Queensland Theatre, they've mostly been in, in modern dress, but this company's also done extraordinary period work, some of Simon Phillips' extraordinary musicals. Yeah. I mean, Ladies in Black. Can we start with that one? We have to start with that sure. one. Sure. <laughs> it was huge. Yeah. It was epic. It was fantastic. It was joyous. Um, it was exhausting. <laughs> um, but overall, really enjoyable and something really, really proud. Proud and of. such an audience favourite. I've mm. noticed that on some openings you have uh, different costumes from the costume archive on display and whenever there's a, a ladies in black costume out there, the number of people gathered around it looking at the details and loving it and remembering the show. There's a lot of, a lot of memory of our shows is locked up in that costume design space, isn't it? Yeah, it's so visual, it's so, so apparent. Yeah. Now, you are a designer, but your job in the company is not necessarily to do the design all the time, That's but to right. actually work with the designers who come in. So do you want to talk to me about what that process is like? I work directly under the designer. So um, they come with their vision and um, their designs and we make it happen. So there's a lot of conversation. Um, well, I suppose it starts with whether the, whether the design is something that can be bought or has to be made. Yeah, if and, it's achievable. Yeah, and then that's, that depends on the budget that we've got, really. Absolutely. And in these, I would say in these days, but all the time we're always looking for ways to reduce costs yep. until it gets to a point where you go, no, this is actually this, this particular costume or this particular piece, a wig or a hat or a pair of shoes just costs that much. That's right. And you try to do what you can. And sometimes it's actually cheaper to make it. By the time you actually run around trying to find this particular thing that doesn't end up existing or won't be right on that particular performer, it, sometimes it's just back to square one and making it. I, I think 
think that's kind of lovely, though. Oh, I love it. When there's a make in the building, it's quite exciting. Oh, for us, it's really exciting. I mean, that's one of the reasons I got into the industry is that that process of making and, and yeah, that tangible element like that. So, yeah. Having said that, how did you end up Oh. in the industry. How uh, did you start? Long haul, fashion yeah. design. Fashion like, design. Like so many teenage girls, I wanted to be a fashion designer. So, um, I... But you see, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you see the be- that some of the beautiful things out in the world, in the fashion world, are extraordinary. Absolutely. I understand why so many people are drawn to oh, it. Oh, absolutely. But the life of it is quite different to the dream of oh, it, isn't yeah. it? Oh, uh, yeah. And I've just said absolutely again. <laughs> um, yeah, so I studied fashion design yeah. overseas, and then I came back to Australia, and I studied some more in Sydney. I worked on and off um, with my own label. Yeah. I'm not a great businesswoman. Well, that's the thing that I never tell you is that, you, yeah. that you're running a small business that can become a big business in moments and then reduce in others and the business side and of it. And it's tough and it's yeah. competitive. And I went back to college about 20 years ago and did a theatrical costuming degree course. And um, I actually got involved just to up my skill level. Yeah. And I just got wrapped up into this world and never looked back. So what's the difference between design for fashion, for people, regular people to wear, and design for the theatre space? Is there a making difference? There's definitely a making difference. I mean, it depends on what scale, first of all, in the fashion industry. So small scale is generally what I worked at. It's a lot more involved in costuming. The the amount of work, yeah, you know, and therefore theatre versus film too. That's completely yeah. different as well. The detail, the the close up detail oh, in yeah. film is it can be a killer, can't that's it? Right. And it might be on for you know twenty seconds. So if that that's you know, right. Yeah, and but you've got so many so many experts around the world watching the film. If you get the piece of mm. lace or the trim or the cut well, of something wrong, everyone's got an opinion. Well, everyone's got a lot of informed opinion <laughs> yeah. these days too. That's right. Yeah. So and which is which is great and keeps us on our toes but even like that the little stitching you know the tiniest minute stitching if you think of it on the big screen you see everything whereas you get away with some things on stage don't you that's right a little bit of distance yeah yeah Yeah. strength versus beauty beauty versus strength (laughs) is but you try to incorporate both of those things well the strength thing was interesting i remember once upon a time in a land far far away when i was an actor i went uh, on a show from its off-broadway incarnation to broadway and i was fascinated with how they threw out everything mm. uh, and made again for Broadway because the contracts were different. The the makers were contracting for a certain amount of length of wear. Oh wow! So they were guaranteeing a certain uh, amount of time. So if oh that's frightening. Yeah, the, the strength <laughs> of the stitching, yeah. the strength of the make was made to withstand X number of weeks. Wow, sir! Yeah. I, I had no idea yeah. about that, and I hadn't either. And when I was, I was quite horrified that my my beautiful costume from the first production was thrown out and <laughs> started again. But the second one was definitely tougher. Yeah, uh, it was much more robust. Oh, we it, definitely put. Uh, things into place like that um you know the way it's lined like well back fabrics and mm-hmm. you won't tend to fuse them you'll stitch them together flat yeah. therefore it just lasts better in the ironing and, and double and, seams double and triple yeah, seams and so. um you know wherever we can you know big um seam allowances and things so mm-hmm. therefore if we have to change it over for another actor or for a future life um yeah. so well it's true because people change sizes mm-hmm. over the course of a over the course of a season sometimes but sometimes when we bring back a play the following year there's nothing to say that the same actor will fit into the That's same right. costume so you've got to have made allowances for that yeah. or you have to make again oh, don't you? you know i've had things that have 
you know, we can't we can't downsize at like six sizes, and and that's the difference also between maybe an opera costume versus a stage costume, and you know that kind of real the way period costumes you can pull big big seams into it. Contemporary things you can't. Well, the light of the fabrics and the that's right. seam of the You'll fit. See it. You see it. You can't yeah. see it folded. So there's there's yeah. a level that you you can only oh, do gosh, it. Oh, it's to. fascinating, isn't it? And I suppose you're involved in those conversations at the very beginning yeah. when a play comes in because there are also plays where you. The company knows and hopes it will have a future life mm. as opposed to we're just making this for this season. Yeah. Now, sometimes we get caught when we think we're just making it for one season mm-hmm. and then it goes really well and you kind of go, we didn't build it to last. Yeah, that's right. You try to build it to last as much as possible, but if it's going to have a six-month tour afterwards, it's not going to happen. And then there's that thing where we don't necessarily know. So mm. you have to put everything in boxes mm-hmm. until the following year. So that, that whole process of yeah. packing things up and storing them safely so yeah. that you take them out a year later and you don't have to... Yeah, you have to do checks on them in the interim too. Oh, yeah, right. Particularly in Queensland with, you know, the damp conditions oh, and the um, about that. moths and all those fun things. So. Well, yeah. I have, it's been lovely getting to know the company and getting to know the costume rooms and how things are differently stored because, <laughs> of course, it's like a library of clothes, yeah. really. And everything has to be stored so it can be found quite quickly. And they're in different categories. So there are, there's an amazing room of military costumes. I wish you could see it. You can't, but I wish you could. <laughs> <laughs> Where everything is stored safely and according to different times and, and all of that. So all of that knowledge that's been gathered over the years sort of stored quite literally in the costumes, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. it's great. Every, every time we'll learn something too, particularly for military. I mean, that's just a, it's endless. But of course, there's a show that we were supposed to do this year, uh, which we're hoping to do again next year, which is a fellow, which is set up in the Torres Strait Islands. And I saw the photos that the designers had gathered together that involved an extraordinary headdress that was made by the islanders for a dance that the, the battalion created for a function, I think, that happened on the island. Now, my, my history is sketchy, but it's an important part of Australian history. But you're actually recreating real... Clothing That's right. from that time and, and recreating these real headdresses from the time as well, which is an exciting and challenging thing, it isn't is, it? It is. For the traditional dress, that will lay with Jimmy's family, I mm-hmm. believe. So, so um, yeah, but, all, but in terms of the army uniforms and, and the way they wore it and just the stories and it's all caught up with the stories. It's really, really fascinating. It's, fascinating. And it's something I had n- no idea about. And we're, we're so dependent on those little bits of photographs that managed to survive mm. in different archives. And then we add a layer of that knowledge to, you know, I suppose we point a light on it for a period of time and maybe that draws more people and more history out and that sort of stuff. But yeah, the, and those will be then put back on the racks back into the Queensland Theatre costume racks, the costume archive, if you like. But it's been interesting over the last couple of months with with the shutdown. You've had time to do things that you wouldn't normally. Oh, yeah. Because most of the time you're back-to-back. You know, one show finishes, you've got the next one starting, and sometimes two at the same time. Yeah. Because sometimes it can take months, right? That's right. How long does it actually take? Well, normally, I mean, as as general rule, we start as rehearsals start, uh, if possible, we will try to start early, particularly if we're talking about a period production. Because period costumes would take much longer That's to make, right. right? So if we can get measurements or the actors in yeah. to get that moving, but we'll have things in place like, 
hopefully some fabrics chosen or a direction. So that way we're, we're up and running, but quite often day one of rehearsal, we will get them in, it's, it's measurements, it's like, yeah, day one uh, of rehearsal is always going to be measurement through. time. When can they, when can costume yeah. have yeah, that yeah, the actors yeah. for measurements? Please, yeah. please, please. Yeah. And that way we can we can get moving as soon yeah. as possible. So, of course, something like Ladies in Black was started much earlier, just due to the scale of it. Because yeah. there are only so without we've got a pretty big costume room here, but without a lot of different machines, you just can't produce that many costumes no. in that short space of time. That That's four, right. four or five weeks that rehearsal is. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. You know, because we're not allowed to make people work overnight anymore. No. Slave labour is generally frowned upon. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we'll try to start or have a, a toile, so a, mm -hmm. so a, a mock-up. A mock-up made in a, in a cheaper fabric, yeah, a calico, calico or something to replicate what the fabric will be. And, and we, we try be, that on the actor. That's right. To make sure that the fit is pretty much... Before we'll yeah. go in the real fabric. Oh, because then the real fabric comes in. It's just extraordinary. Now, if you're a lover of fabric, which I am, just the chance to actually see some of those beautiful fabrics laid out mm. to be able to just touch them very carefully <laughs> before they turn into the magical costumes you wouldn't want to cut into them until you really know what you're doing oh no it wouldn't it's like a carpenter's rule measure twice cut once mm. measure three yeah. times maybe yeah some sometimes <laughs> yeah. Um, and really take care you know yeah. some of the fabrics you know, well, it's not just price, it's, they're hard to come by. And particularly if you're talking about period pieces too, getting the correct fabrics yeah. is, is getting harder and harder. All haberdashery fabrics, is, it's, that's a big as fashion, part of my as, job. As, as contemporary fashion moves more and more away from older fabric types, why would they be made? That's right, that's right. right. I haven't even thought and about that. And it's such a disposable society now too in terms of particularly fast fashions and everything. Mm -hmm. So that value on the garments, not necessarily people don't, understand as much so the actual time and craftsmanship and you know the wonderful work that the ladies and gents do upstairs in the costume department so yeah, it's, it's really very fascinating. involved these extraordinary costumes are made but then they have to live up to the rigors of a, mm. a show which can involve you know depending on how dramatic it is people are falling to the floor there are fights mm. there are dancers you know and blood Blood, oh my God, the blood. Yeah, and the regular cleaning. I mean, uh, uh, costumes, uh, if we do a show 50 times, costumes are often cleaned that many times. You know, definitely things like shirts are and Every show. layers. But, you know, so the figuring out how many times something can be cleaned mm. before a particular fabric just gets too distressed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've got to factor that in. If you can do tests, great. But, you know, if it's a vintage piece, well, generally have to, you know, if it's a really large, mm -hmm. um, long-scale production... A vintage piece oh, that's not going to hold up. And, you know, and the, the blood. There's always the blood question. We have so many blood mm. recipes, and that sits in your department as well, oh, right? The different... I've actually been a blood wrangler in one of it. Like, a blood of my, wrangler? A blood wrangler <laughs> for the Scottish play. So that was actually Ooh. my position on that one. So just playing around with lots of bloods and... Because, of know. course, different bloods, mm. you know, Do different you... bloods can go near the mouths of actors because if it looks oh, like they're going to get it in the mouth of their eyes, that's one thing. But there are blood tricks where you put detergent in there yep. so that it can cut the uh, cut the colour so it yeah. doesn't set that's in right. something. But, of course, that detergent blood can't get anywhere near someone's mouth, but the mouth blood will often stain. And so then mm. there are special bloods, which yep. are quite expensive, yeah. that don't they, stain. The, the, the good bloods that don't stain are pricey, So, but they're worth their money too because, because otherwise we'd lose a costume mm -hmm. or, you know. And so which blood can go where? Mm -hmm. comes into into rehearsal of course you can't let that blood get on that which means you start doing things like saying to an actor do you think you could take that 
jacket off over there and they're like why would I take the jacket off I'm like maybe you know it's a part of the thought process you're trying to justify it really you just need to not let that blood get on that jacket blood because plot. you can't yeah the blood plot and it's really important for the survival of costumes but also for survival of everybody's sanity because the worry that you have about wrecking something that you can't replace mm. in the run of a show. Yeah. Because costume stays, unlike a lot of other departments, stays very close to the run of a show. Absolutely. There's distress that happens that you can't possibly anticipate. Buttons go all the time. Seams, you know, if you know something will rip. And we get a show report with all reporting on every little detail. Mm. Button missing, a ribbon gone. All of those little details have to be accounted for. And costume, I don't, I'm pretty sure you probably don't go to sleep before you've read the, the no. show. No, I wish I tried. <laughs> and it's like, oh, do I want to look? Have a look what's because, going on tonight? Because that de determines what your next day's work is yeah, going to yeah. be, isn't yeah. it? And that's when you're in the run of the show. Now, you're in the run of that show, but you're also during the day working on the next show and the next show after that. And then you generally got a design presentation for the show after that. <laughs> so your brain is actually working between a whole lot of different stories. That's right? why I have wonderful people that come and work for us, like the lady that comes and does maintenance for us a, a lot of the time. I mean, her skill level is exceptional and it's you know yeah. people think maintenance is oh I'm washing yeah she's yeah washing things everything she's she's fixing she's preempting all sorts of things and just the skill level and just try to keep these things going for well the interesting thing that's hived inside the word maintenance right we're maintaining the show to be as good as it was when it opened that's right so the, la the show at the end of the run has to look and sound and feel as good as it did for the very first show. <laughs> and there's, there's a magic in maintenance that is actually keeping things oh, seeming yeah. new. It's as difficult as it is for actors to keep their performance fresh, mm. is to keep the look of the show fresh so it doesn't feel worn out by the end. What's also interesting to me about the, about the big companies is that because people have spent their lives coming to see the shows here, they also sometimes have things in their own, in their own families or their own houses where they, they donate that. To the company, and we often often have that, don't we? Oh, yeah, we get some lovely costumes. donations with some lovely stories attached mm -hmm. too. So, and the value of getting real world clothes is just the archive of how they were made as much as what they were. Absolutely. Even if we can't use them, I mean, to have the real thing in your hand and the techniques were different, and just yeah, it's, I remember it's things mom, you wouldn't see I otherwise. I remember my mum talking about when she was little. She was living in Africa and their mum used to make all their clothes. And she said it, it was really fascinating she said, because the fit was so different. Because she was a nice girl, there used to be a pinch in all of the seams. So it wasn't fit to their bodies. It was kind of like a pinch of extra fabric. And that was actually about not fitting too closely to a young girl's body. Gotcha. And it was a really fascinating thing of kind of getting the looseness of fit. And when you go back and you look at, you look at some of the old family movies you can see that there's a looseness in the fit as opposed to what we saw in the the hollywood films which were tight fit right so our video footage from films is quite different to home home movies that's lovely um and that's what i can find with the with donated clothes from different periods you can see how they fit to bodies or not and that was always sort of fascinating yeah yeah, yeah i love the vintage stuff that comes in and most of our bodies unfortunately don't fit these things too just you know things like armholes and the movement. The bigger and, now. Oh, absolutely. And also we moved, Feet, we're wider. We expect to move differently. And actors expect to be able to move differently. Mm. Our performance is quite different. Whereas arms didn't necessarily go up like that really quickly. <laughs> Rip. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's where we'll do, like if we're making, we'll put gussets into things and all those really laborious little details. So... 
you know, you wouldn't notice it, but then an actor can move. So, or, you know, the d director comes back and says they, they need to be able to move and you go, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, the, ha the actor has to feel very comfortable in their costume. I mean, otherwise, otherwise they there's can't. no point. But it's interesting, isn't it? Especially once you start getting into costumes that are built on corseting. Mm. Yeah, that's when you get into the hardcore movement impact. Absolutely. And how we, like, that artistic conversation that would go on, say, between you and me. Say I come to you and we're doing this big period piece and we're going to be in corsets, so we need the shape, but I'm going to need them to be far more physical mm. in this contemporary production than they would have been. Then you're looking at using contemporary materials to make older shapes. And you're inventing a lot, aren't you? Oh, there's a lot of invention. Yeah. But also trying to get things into the rehearsal room as early as possible oh, yeah, to see what's what's achievable and what's not. But yes, it seems like we're always there's always something new, you and, and you always learn something. And, that, and tricks of the trade, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and these these secret books. They're not so much secret. They're not secret. They're just special because people gather up all of these different bits of knowledge from different things that they've worked on. It's like everybody's blood recipe. Yeah. Everyone has a blood recipe that they swear by <laughs> or a way of stitching a particular thing to allow it to happen. Various cheats. Oh, cheats are good. Cheats are good. <laughs> Combinations of different fabrics. I had a disastrous one with a with silks that kind of gave up the ghost before the end of the run because they, because there was blood and silk and washing mm, and mm -hmm. how they were washed. And the, and the silk turned, it was white silk and it turned brown. It was really weird. Yeah, you just, well, you just get just different sorts of reactions yeah. with things. So, so yeah, and that's one lovely thing about the way the costuming community is, I guess, and lots of people work in different places, so therefore you learn in different places. So there's a sharing of um, knowledge, knowledge and, yeah, hopefully in general you learn something new every time, which is really, really great. And then you forget something old maybe. But, yeah, you um, do but forget yeah. something. And then, or then a, a new product comes on the market yeah. and you go, oh, that will solve X. That's really exciting. <laughs> oh, crap, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't really work. But, and then yeah. someone says, I've heard this is good. And someone else goes, no, we used it on this play and it really didn't it's work. It's very much it. That, yeah, but that it does is happen. an extraordinary community, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, lovely. And the movement around is, you know, it, it, what we've found in this sort of terrible time for the arts is that all of the fabulous freelance people that we have who – who we'll use once a year, maybe twice a year, or maybe once every three years, according to the really specific skill. It's those people that haven't have fallen through the cracks. Absolutely. As the, the job seeker or job keeper, isn't yeah. it? So the job keeper program, which is supposed to support people who are regular workers. These are regular workers, but yeah. they work for us for six weeks and then they'll go to another company and work for six weeks. They'll go to the opera. Then a big film will come into town. That's Baz right. Luhrmann will come into town and, and turn, everybody's on stitching yep. on, the, on his shows. <laughs> you know, but those those skills, if we're like the conversation having with government at the moment about the necessity of keeping people employed with those skills, because once they stop, it's not like there are hundreds of other people with that actual hands-on knowledge. No. But again, it might be something where we use them on loan for something mm. if we need a, a series of things. Yeah, I mean, there but are there people was, around, but there's not many of them. There's not many of them, especially in a more global world. I had a, a show that was made very last minute with a large company, and essentially we sent them measurements. We, there was no time. We sent the measurements overseas and got the, got the suits back with a lot of tolerance in them, but they were made overseas and then just adjusted here. Yeah. And it was a difficult decision to make because you go... Because you want to support the we community. We want to support local communities, but but essentially it was a whole suite of suits, like 12 men on stage. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of work. Quickly. That's a lot of work. 
it was a lot of work very quickly and it wasn't wasn't something that was possible. So that's how we did it. But it was petrifying because, of course, if you're not making on site, you don't know. We didn't it's know. It's unknown. These things arrived and we were running the risk that actually all the measurements would be wrong, it wouldn't work and that we'd be stuck. Mm. Fortunately, it worked mm. and that was a huge relief. But there's something... Oh, there's something magic about making the costume in the building on the body of the actor. And as a director for me, having that on site. Oh, that's wonderful. Coming I in. Love hearing that. <laughs> well, coming in, I can see the idea evolving. I can see the actor standing in it. And you can, fe you can feel an actor when they first put on a costume. And you see, this is what you mm. see every day, right? Mm. You see the shimmy as they kind of move around in it, little movements, and they're starting to figure out their character. They're, they form it through what they're looking at. And you can see it when they don't like it. Oh, very they clearly. Start, like, the face starts going. And you're, it's a very uh, intimate space that you're working in with them in their workspace. Very much so. So, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of conversations that have, happen in those fittings as yeah. well. And, and I, rely on, I rely on you to kind of flag with me there might be a difficulty. It's a really interesting thing, the discretion of the costume department. <laughs> no, because, again, it's true. It's that true. people, actors are coming into that place. Actors are, are humans with all the same, you know, body fears that we have as regular humans, but they're just willing to stand on a stage and be looked at. And for that to happen, you know, they have to be fairly undressed in a costume space and so very vulnerable to the people who are working and fitting them. And the discretion of that room is incredibly important within a company, but also within the larger community because you've got trust relationships over years with oh, actors. Yeah. Yeah, very they, much. And they have to be feel free to say to you, oh, I'm not really comfortable with the way I look at the moment, but can you not say anything? But you always hope that, and, yeah. and then they're the conversations that are being had because it's better to have it in a fitting than later on down the track as mm -hmm. we get closer to performance mode. Well, the stress just goes it, it up. Doesn't, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. So how do we take care of people so that they can perform in their confident best, if you like. But it's an interesting conversation. It's a very delicate conversation with the information that I get as a director from your observations. It's never never direct quotes, which I really appreciate, <laughs> um, but just flagging things, flagging yeah. that we might want to like take a little bit of care. Yeah, that um, communication is extremely important. Yeah, and, and again, it comes back to the people that you work with and have trusted over the years, mm. making sure in this particular time that they're supported so that we don't lose all of those years and years of working together, because mm. there's a shorthand, isn't there? Yeah, of yep. Yeah. And which is wonderful when you achieve that. Yeah. So And it is that lovely thing, you know, the shorthand of the of the fitting room is an eyebrow. You know, an eyebrow goes like this with a you know, mm. into a slight frown mm -hmm. on an actor and a designer goes a question mark to you and you're like a slight tilt and then there's <laughs> so a whole conversation that, that yeah. happens that's starting to communicate, are we headed in the right direction or do we need to start again? Mm. And sometimes and it's start again. Yep. You know, yep. and then the, and again, that's got to happen in the early days so that it's not with a fully done costume where, you know, someone finally feels strong enough to actually say, actually, I don't, this isn't working. And I've been in that boat as well. So, yep. you know, it doesn't happen very often, but, you know, sometimes it is abandoned ship. Let's abandoned ship, yeah. That this isn't next, working straight yeah. out next, which is horrible, but it happens and it has to be allowed to happen as well. Yeah. But you just hope for that just not to happen very often. It generally doesn't. Generally doesn't. But, and I suppose that's the whole point of having a company that is good at doing this. Again, mm. it comes back to that question, you know, if, why, why were companies started? Why, why were subscription companies started? It's essentially so that you don't have to gather this team every time you want to do a show. Mm. 
this group of people stay and we bring in the next show, but we can take care of all of that. So we're not doubling up on, on that across the industry. But at a time like this, it's hard to keep the team together. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult when you see so many skilled artisans just at a loss. Well, unable you know, to pay rent. Yep. Falling yeah. through the cracks. So. Doing different things. I mean, uh, you know, yes, people have jumped on board and are, you know, making, you know, protective wear for hmm. nurses and doctors, but that's an interim. Well, a lot of that's already passed. That's so, done. And that was a very short-lived thing. But so, it's also just the love and passion that they've got yeah. for what they do and having that being taken away. And the mental just health a, of people feeling, right. feeling like <clears throat> there's no place for them or that there's mm. no value. Mm. No valuing of what it is that they yeah. do. I spend a, you know, I, I talk regularly to, to a lot of my casuals or try to, yeah. just just checking in just to see if they're okay. And, and they're not okay, but at least, mm -hmm. you know. It's yeah, like, it's, well, oh, just distraction just, or whatever it is. Just, yeah. It's sort of strange because it's strange to be talking to you as opposed to some of the other podcasts because the costume room is such a, an engine room of, I suppose, the delight in the company. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> again, because again, you can start to see it coming, the show coming together. Yeah. That's where it start to, starts to come together first. Nah. Yeah. So for me, not having that up and functional is so strange. It feels really ghostly. Oh, yes. Walking through the, yeah. you know, with the empty machines and there's no... There's no hum of a machine. Yeah, there's no pattern no laid out. There's no like, oh, no, don't get near that. Don't touch that. You know, there's, <laughs> it's just sitting, waiting to be activated again. Oh, yeah. And I know that, you know, there's been a great opportunity to get everything cleaned and sorted and, and catalogued and fixed and all. There's great time to do that. And we never normally have that time. Uh, you know, when do you ever get to that? We don't. But... I don't know. It's just that I can we feel... We like to make. We, we yeah. enjoy that. It's, you know, watching the delight of just even people who just, you know, um, the general public that may come through on occasion, the delight in just seeing the costume department. Yeah. It can be at times a magical world and other times it can be very stressful. Stressful, yeah. Well, it's stressful that space it's too, a, yeah. I feel very, very privileged, um, you know. Yeah. such a wonderful so what are some place. Of the, some of, I've mentioned Ladies in Black, but what are some of the favourite things that you've, you've worked on here? Oh. Well, ladies in black, definitely. Um, <laughs> I have to say 39 Steps that oh, came yeah. up because it was just so much joy. It was fun. It was yeah. raucous. It was the costumes were just silly, you know. <laughs> so that was just, it was just joy, joy, oh, joy, yeah. you this, know. What's the silliest costume you've ever had to create? Oh, silliest. Mm. <laughs> I've created for not for not not for the company, but mm -hmm. for um, Elysian Ensemble for a Barry Kosky. It was a um, a full well, it was just butterflies all over the the body. Oh. For it was just beautiful, but it was so did you it know, shimmer just, like a butterfly. Well, he just moved, and it was just yeah. butterflies all over oh. the body. Then I guess that's not silly, but it was just yeah. kind of wacky. I guess yeah. whimsical. Um, yeah. You know, Thirty Nine Steps had a, a tartan skirt that was. It became. It was no longer a kilt. It became like the the netball skirt on <laughs> Brian Probert. So um, <laughs> uh, just oh, there's lots, but you know. Oh no, it's true. I'm, isn't I'm it? trying to think just one off hand. Well, there are, and, there are um, odd things that come up where suddenly, like you read a script, or I read a script, and I go, Penguin. Okay, is there a penguin costume that I know of, or are we going to have to make that? And there's always the question, isn't there, which ones that we make? Some of the wackier costumes, do you keep them on the off chance that someone else will want them? Because there's also, with all of the knowledge sharing, there's also, there's also resource sharing. We've become a lot more conscious of, of recycling. Uh, and that's not just storing costumes to use again, but, it, but also 
between companies, when there's been something extraordinary built, you kind of go, oh, you've got that horse. That's really or good got to that know. Beer or that bear costume or that beer can, like, like the human-sized beer can costume, things like that. Some, often we don't throw those out because they can be used again mm. by another designer for another show. That audience wouldn't have seen it. And it's better to do that than it is make it all oh. over again, right? Oh. Absolutely, you know, in terms of resources and so yeah, there is there is a lot of communication between different departments. I mean, even within Queensland, between uh, uh, Opera Queensland and the ballet, you know, knowledge and resources. You always so. go to the Opera for the capes. We've got good capes, great wigs, corsets, or, yeah. if they can spare them. But you know, um, yeah. in the ballet, there's certain things as well, and you know, or just having conversations with you know uh, Sydney Theatre Company or different theatre companies to see what they've got, or or where can we find something? You That's know, true. A, a certain yeah, a certain fabric, a certain mm. trimming, a certain yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of conversations the, like that. Uh, and around about this time of year, the, the conversations start between all of the different departments as various as various shows are planned for next year. And of course, this coming year is a little bit stranger because things have been cancelled and will be moved across different seasons. But then there's there's the things where you start to you try to get ahead by having some of those phone calls quickly. You kind of I kind of go, oh yeah, the the penguin. The SDC still has those penguins. I'm fairly Are sure. You telling me hey, we've got a penguin next no, year. No, no, no. We don't <laughs> have a joking. penguin next year. But um, but no, it's always that funny thing where you try to like. It, and if you know that that thing still exists and you just need to ship it up, then it makes a play a little bit more possible. Mm. Or the money can be shifted across to something else because the bu budgets are tight across and the whole show. And something like like those character suits, and they're big ticket items. Mm. So they are. So you're costing you're costing the show, and you're kind of going, if I get, if I know about that, and we can someone will lend us that, then this department can have a little bit more money. Mm. And when you actually pull it off, it's, you know, going, no, we can't. Oh, yes, we can. Oh, we can definitely yeah. do that. It's, you know, it's so for for a work like, say, Boy Swallows Universe, okay, has had a fascinating process because huge show, huge show that was planned for this year and we were on track to deliver it for this year, you know, design presentation. And so suddenly the financial circumstances around it shift in that it's a much more expensive play next year than it was this year in the scheme of the amount of money that we have to produce with. Yeah. So we've got to get cleverer. I can't make the show smaller because it is what it is. It's a huge adaptation of a really important novel that means a lot to Brisbane mm -hmm. audiences, to Queensland audiences and to Australia. So we can't just cut it back because we've got less money, so we have to get a lot cleverer. So, more inventive. But we've got more time. And it's that old adage, isn't it? You can't have fast and cheap and good. True. You can have two out of three. You, that's right. <laughs> right? So what we gain now is time. And those conversations are happening and those uh, thinking about how so we, we can do So we are doing things. the show next year which means that we've got an extra year in the planning, which means that other little solves might come in. So this funny thing happens where I look at Nat and I go, okay, can we cut the budget? She, you can't cut that budget anymore. We are down <laughs> to bare bones. I'm like, all right, okay. But there might be some clever things. Now with more time, because it's, you know, it's a, it'll be op shop clothing. Mm. There'll be a lot of worn clothing in this. I'm like, okay. So for a a show that has a, lo uh, a lot of action in it or a little bit of blood and that sort of stuff, you generally have doubles of costumes, right? Or sometimes, that's right. Sometimes three? Uh, uh, if it's blood, preferably three. Okay. So if that's a contemporary show, and it, but it's op shop buying, you can't get three of the same shirts from right. op shop. So it's working, it's, it's the conversation starts to happen with the designer then about the wardrobe 
of a character rather than this is the exact one. It's like three versions that are similar. That's right. This right? is option one and then... Which is really hard when you've only got four weeks of rehearsal to get it all Mm. done. But actually possible, possibly, when there's a year worth of shopping. So I am saying no penguin necessarily, but a lot of op shopping. (laughs) Oh, yeah, a lot of op shopping. And then then with op shopping comes the whole, then we've got to strengthen everything and make it quick changeable. And, you know, it's not just just we, we, as you well know. I'm going to explain a little bit of that word. When we say quick change, we mean those magical transformations when an actor walks off stage in one costume and within 20 seconds walks on stage in a new costume. And everybody goes, wow, well, that is a whole different way of making a costume. What are the tricks that go into making oh, something that can be changed? very good dresser. <laughs> well, <laughs> well yes. It depends if it's on or off, so that, that will change it. It could be press studs, it could be hooks, it could be Velcro, Velcro occasionally, yeah. If, it's, if there's a big music cue, then yeah. it could be Velcro because, of course, Velcro... <laughs> And oh, then the director generally said, generally get, <laughs> directors generally sitting out there going, I can hear the Velcro. I can hear the Velcro. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, so then it's you quite have to choreograph yeah. backstage these things. And when we talk about quick changes, we're talking about something, I mean, I consider it under 45 seconds, generally 30 mm. seconds and under. So it's like blink and you miss it. So yeah. it so, is left arm, right arm, right, you know. Yeah, how many a, hands have to be on that person to get there? What can they do themselves faster than someone else? Yeah. You know, shoes will generally have have not shoelaces but elastics in them so it looks like a shoelace but it's elastic so the actor can just kick them off that's right sometimes we can have uh, even the old-fashioned dicky or Mm -hmm. you know like a partial costume yeah yeah or things dressed underneath yeah, which means that the fun. waistline mm-hmm. has got to be a little bit bigger to fit the costume underneath. So everything's got to be pre-prepared. Yeah, so yeah it depends on the action and the plot as mm-hmm. to what, what's the best direction of that. And there's always that, no, we can't do that, we can't do that, we don't have enough time. And you, by the time you open, generally it's like you'll have them the game. We always, we always joke about it. The first time you do a quick change, the first time you do a quick change, it never happens on time. If it does, you just like a big round of applause for the costume department because <laughs> how, that, how the hell did that happen? But generally, the actor will walk out on stage in half the costume going, this is never going to work. <laughs> and then over the course of the dress runs that we have and the previews, we bring the time down and down and down. And it's a huge team effort when you manage to bring it in under the desirable time. And that's when the magic starts to happen from my point of view because that's where you literally do blink and the person is in another costume and you go, how did that happen? And you go, that's theatre magic. It's a lot of knowledge. It's a lot of little craft moments. It's a lot of people working together and a ridiculous number of people in a small space backstage (laughs) in the dark. (laughs) It sounds ridiculous, but that's what it is. But when you can pull it off, you can feel the ripple through the audience. And you just go, that's, that's kind of what we live for, is to actually have that yes. impact on people because that's where, that's where memory is in magic and in surprise and in, and in things that you could not imagine happening. Oh, yeah, and it's kind go, of, it's yeah, it's what we do. Yeah. It's what we do. And, and a lot of that is hidden inside your department. It just is. There's no way around it. There are, yes, there are stage trap doors and things like that. There are build solves. But so much of the magic actually and the storytell is in the costume of the characters. So, yeah, there's a lot of op shopping happening in the next year. That's fine. <laughs> but, I'm the queen But there's of also some really clever things, aren't there? There's often like I have done this before where we've, we've done a call out to audience for sometimes for different period things that people might have. You know, and it's amazing what people have stored in their houses. Mm. Yeah. I look at some of the, uh, there's an extraordinary fur collection 
at Queensland Theatre, which has been given to to us. A by, lot of it is donation, my time, yes. Yeah, where people, they don't want to wear it anymore, but it's in the family and they don't want it thrown away. And actually, you know, we do period work and there have to be furs and we don't want to go out and buy furs. So it's actually important for us to keep the furs and to keep them in good shape so they can be used. That's right. And um, to buy a new fur, never. No. Never. Well, we will never have any need, but... But we wouldn't do it. Exactly. So so it's lovely to give these things that have a family history and, and the animal history just a life and, you know, to see the world again. And in this time where we've been shut down, that's been a real chance, hasn't it, to yeah. actually get all the furs out and the maintain them. Furs are them. all archived and mm -hmm. taken care of and mended and... Do you wash furs? No. No. Okay. No. When they come when they come in, <laughs> the first thing we do is put them in the freezer. Oh, so okay. To kill any moth larvae or all anything right. like that. So, um, so, yeah, they're stored in a specific way. So, yes, we have a rather extraordinary collection of furs that's... They're quite beautiful. I never thought I'd find myself saying that. Well, they have but their they, own they beauty. Really There's a sadness beautiful. about them. There's no question. But but you can't take away from the actual beauty, which is why people did it to They're be attracted with. to them. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And if we are doing a period production, you know, if you're doing a 40s piece, a 30s piece, oh, you can... This, that fur walks in on stage underneath the lights. You know, it's such a funny thing for people who remember a world where they were worn a lot. You can watch that part of the audience going, oh, I remember that. Mm. You know, the way a fur glistened under the under candlelight. Yeah, yeah, and there is a real glisten with certain furs too. It just is. So they are beautiful. They, they are, are beautiful. Really and, beautiful. And we do take care of them, but, you know, it's... the hats as well. We get hats in from people, you know. beautiful hats and that's, of course, another thing of the period that we've, we've lost these days. We've got caps and maybe a cowboy hat and things like that. It's so lovely to see, so lovely to see a gent in a hat and, you know. I had a beautiful hat made for me by the, the gentleman who made Audrey Hepburn's hats for My Fair Lady. Oh my goodness. This is the Broadway show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh my <laughs> and goodness. it was extraordinary being fitted for that hat. And when he put it on, because we'd had the, the off Broadway version, which I think was a bought hat that would been, and then I had a real one made. And oh my God, the difference was extraordinary. The balance and the weight and the way it sat on my head with just one hat pin. It's, it's very it was much extraordinary. A skill. The cheaper version had to be stuck on with a few combs and that, so it stayed on my head. Ripping out this your one, hair. Yeah, this one stayed on my head with just one hat pin. It's, and that's with dancing. That's, and you just go, that was extraordinary. And there's a real skill about oh. theatrical millinery. Um, mm. I was very fortunate that I got taught for, I'm um, by no means a milliner, but I got taught for a small while by a lady called Jean Carroll, who was considered a national yeah. treasure. Now, Jean must have been about 75 when she taught me, and yeah. her skill and the strength in her hands, hands. And just that knowledge. It was just, yeah, I feel very, very blessed to have had that time to learn to learn some things and it's just true, isn't to it? see the knowledge that. that people have in their hands that's the kind of knowledge the kind of capacity that I'll have and that's quite inspiring I mean, a little bit teary thing here. Oh, <laughs> I do remember being younger and just watching the craftsmen and yeah. just wanting to attain those levels and then you know learning what actually my path was and yeah. you know the things that as much as I love it were actually my skill isn't quite there, you know, I can love it and I can appreciate and I can see oh, yeah. all that, but just that natural skill that some people have yeah. that there's some things that just can't be taught as well. Yeah, and that's true, people have a gift. Mm. People, some people have a gift for fabric, mm. like how it moves and colour. Mm. Um, there are some, some designers that are extraordinary with colour. 
Very and then, true. And the importance of that in relation to set. Sometimes we have set and costume design done together. The same person does it. Mm. But sometimes when it's just when it's a person's just doing costume design, their relationship with the set design is incredibly important. And the mm. relationship of the colour to that. Yeah, they have well, hand in hand, yeah. has to be. Has to be. But but some people gifted insofar as what colour can sit in front of a set. And surprisingly so. I know. <laughs> I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Going, and really? I, You're going to do that? Oh, oh, wow. And as a director, I, you know, I have the, you know, I go, oh, really? And I've had to learn with certain people to just not say anything because they're probably going to be right. Mm. And if I say, eh, they'll go, just wait, just wait. And then <laughs> I see it and I go, and, you know, if I have gone like that, I make sure I say to them, you were absolutely right, I was absolutely wrong. And they go, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but again, it's that thing of a gift for colour. Yeah. You know, like, and colour combinations, especially insofar as how we read people, because it's, the colour is often the reason the eye will go to to that character at certain points. So immediate. So immediate. It does a lot of attention work especially in that first entrance. In older theatre films, I used to love that moment where a great costume would walk out on stage and it would get its own applause. I love you know, because those moments. Of course, you know, yes, it's the actor getting the applause, but it's in that particular moment. I got to do one when I did Hay Fever down at Melbourne Theatre oh, yeah. Company. There was one costume that would get a, an applause, a coat and a hat ensemble oh, used to come through the so door. Happy. Used to come through the door and, and, and it was just that thing. It was so spectacularly wonderful. It just got its own applause each night. And I knew it was I knew it was the costume because the actor wasn't a well-known actor. Okay. She was beautiful in it, but that was the first arrival of her character and that was and and she played the applause. Oh, the costume so gave the, the the applause to her to make her character happen in this beautiful way. It was gorgeous. It was it was a 1920s coat. It was black and white with a fabulous hat. And and the the person who made it was thrilled that they got to make oh, it. Yeah. But she sat in the audience. She knew the applause was for her. I love oh, that. What a lovely yeah, moment. And it what is, a lovely you know, moment. And and also in this time when we don't do that so much. Mm. You know, as an audience, so we're not used to doing special. that. The fact that sh that actually happened with a contemporary audience, you just go, yeah, that's special. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, and you kind of go, yeah, that's in the archives. Yeah. They're not throwing that one out. <laughs> yeah. That's staying. Yeah. That's beautiful, though. Yeah. That's so lovely to hear that that still happens because it it's so rare. And Well, a lot of the big Broadway shows are built for that moment mm. because there's always, when you've got a big star in it, there's that, their first entrance moment, they always get that applause, mm. which always feels a little bit... Um, weird to Australian audiences. We don't do that so much. True. But when the costume is great and the actor's great, you just want to. They've arrived. That's why you're there. You're there to see that yes. actor. They're looking <laughs> great. They walk out and you go, hello. Yeah, Madeleine Kahn in Sisters Wasserstein. I remember that on Broadway. She walked in and I just talk about an actor who knew how to use their applause. Well done. But yes, but there was a great moment in that particular play where she had to wear a Chanel suit mm. and they had it donated by Chanel. So there was a person from Chanel each night and sat with the suit. And she would put it on on stage and feel it, and then she put it back in the box. And the story of the play goes that they, she's wanted a Chanel suit all her life, and it was given to her as a gift. And she tries it on just that once, feels it, puts it back in the box, and they say, what are you doing? She said, I'm taking it back. She said, my son's got to go to college. So you know, are <laughs> not going to actually spend that money. But it was a beautiful moment of watching someone try on a Chanel suit. Oh, exactly. I understand that. <laughs> I've never done it. I've never, no, I've done, never it. done it either. I've thought to do it, but I haven't but, braved that. But, but I've had many sort of reproduced, shall we say, for the stage. And I have reproduced a few. <laughs> Not for you, but yes, of the look. Of the so, look, yeah. Yeah, because again, an actual one wouldn't stand up to the rigours no, of a, a stage not, production. It's not made for that. So. Not, made, not made for that at all. 
So, yeah. yes. Wouldn't have gussets built in. No, no, you wouldn't be able to do a, a cartwheel in it. Definitely no, not no, a stage fight. No. And you're definitely th not throwing that blood anywhere near oh. that Chanel suit. <laughs> such a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You have a, an extraordinary, extraordinary department and an I extraordinary, I suppose, extraordinary imaginative space within the theatre world. It's a real pleasure to talk to you about it. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be working with you in I'm it. I'm very excited. So. <laughs> of course, we're all looking forward to the day when we can get back in and do it because it is a lot of fun for all the stress, for all the difficulty and for all the problems. It is a huge amount of fun. And I'm looking forward to that fun with you again and fun, of course, with the audience when we can come back into the theatre and sit shoulder to shoulder and watch the fabulous costumes come out on stage Yay. and fill us with information and joy and comedy and sadness and all of that sort of stuff. So thank you. Thank you, Nat, for the Thanks conversation. For having me. That was great. Oh, I really and enjoyed for that. people 50 years from now who are looking back at that, yes, this is us and this is what we were talking about. And we hope that you're still in this theatre enjoying it. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll talk to you next time when we have another great adventure in the world that is Queensland Theatre. <laughs> That's the strangest exit ever. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just make it up. It doesn't have to be like smooth. It just has to be a window. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au, to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We can't wait to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye! <laughs>